Welcome to another edition of Be The Change Georgia, where we amplify the voices of the inspiring leaders surrounding the B Corp and social impact movements across the Southeast to help you learn how to build your legacy at the intersection of people, planet, purpose, and profit. I've heard from many founders in our community who struggle hard to understand the world of investment capital. The language is often confusing, the network seems rather exclusive, and the statistics point to the glaring issues with underrepresented founders receiving equitable consideration for funding. So what's the deal with this? What needs to change to break molds and approach relationships with VCs? How can the systems support more inclusive and sustainable ways for historically underrepresented founders to receive equitable access to thrive and create impact? How can you break past the homogenous structures to get your businesses backed by VCs if it makes sense for you? Well, today's episode addresses many of these issues with the amazing Anastasia Simon. Anastasia is the investment principal at Techstars Atlanta and Techstars Impact, powered by Cox. I hope you find this conversation insightful and love it as much as I did having it. Without further ado, let's get to part one of our sit down with Anastasia Simon. Anastasia, welcome to Be The Change Georgia. It's exciting to uh, finally have you on. Welcome. No, it's exciting to be here. I'm excited to chat with you. It's been, like you said, a long time coming, so I'm glad we're here and we're going to get things popping. Well, let's jump right in with one of my favorite kickoff questions, which is, what do you wish everyone understood about your field of work? And your lived experience that fuels your why today. It's a lot to unpack Ooh, there. That's a lot. It's a lot going on. So what do I wish everyone understood about my field of work? So venture capital. I think people don't understand that it's one of those jobs where it is an asset class. And it's also like the title of the jobs and things. So it's a little bit weird because people don't understand it's an asset class first and foremost. Um, it's like if I were a realtor and my name and my job title was real estate, you know? Um, so, and <laughs> venture capital is an asset class that people who are investors you, like invest in to then deploy capital to startups. So I think people just need to understand that's what it is. Um, you're talking about my why, cause you asked a lot of questions. So let's go back to the, the other part of that. Like my lived experience that informs my why. Yeah. Um, so I'm just going to be like, like, just keep it a buck. Um, for me, the thing that is, informs my why is being the person that I like needed when I was younger. So, yeah. So I, you know, came from a very like straight up middle-class background, went to private Catholic school um, until I went to college and then got out into the work world, started out in the fashion industry, moved into tech and then into venture. And there were very few people who were mentors to me, people who were cheerleaders, people who kind of could give me the, the introductions that I needed to be successful. Um, those people were very few and far between. Um, particularly one as a black woman going into a fashion space. So fashion and tech are very similar in the types of spaces that they are. Um, they are very 
elitist kind of spaces, even though in tech, people don't think that. Most people in tech come from very upper middle class backgrounds. Same thing with people in um, fashion. It's usually upper middle class, upper class kind of backgrounds. These are people who are coming from wealth and privilege. And um, if you don't come from that, it's very hard to break into that. And so as a Black woman going into that space, first in fashion, then in tech, there are very few people I could reach out to who were like opening doors, pulling out seats at the table so I can sit next to them. And so I always was, once I get to where I want to be, I'm going to reach back. And even if it's just me being a little bit ahead, you know, when I was hiring interns and when I was like, talk, when I talk to young people, even today, when I talk to founders, I'm always like, I can be a little bit ahead of you, but if my introduction can open a door, like that's what we're going for. So I'm trying to be the person I needed along my journey. And that's just like why I do the things I do. And it's because I've been through a lot. I mean, it took a lot to get me from LSU, you know, with a degree in merchandising into venture, you know, no MBA required. <laughs> like, that's the, I mean, yeah, I love what sorry, you said, yeah. though, too, because, you know, is is I've gotten and, you know, I'm, I'm bootstrapping my business, but I mean, it's a yeah. consulting business, so it's kind of a little different. It's intimidating, though, like uh, the lingo, the knowledge, it does feel like it, I hate to use the term old boys club, but it feels a little bit like if you don't know where to like it, it just it, it can be very, very, very intimidating. Yeah, yeah. And I mean. Every industry is like that. Um, and I think, because you, know, you and I have talked before about like the systems in place when we talk about like tech and venture. Like, it's like if I got a group of me and my girlfriends together, we all come from the same like background. We all come from similar spaces. There is a shared language that we will have. There will be shared experiences that we'll have. And if you're somebody trying to break into that circle, it's going to be difficult because it's like, these people already have a fluency amongst each other. They already have like, you know, the vibe together. Like everything is working together. They have their language. They have their fluency. I don't get it. And I think that happens all the time in all kinds of spaces, but it's super, it can be super intimidating, particularly if you're a founder and you don't come from that background and people start telling you things like business model and vested and like all these different terms and you're like, I don't know what invested. Is that like the Patagonia vest? Like, what are you talking about? Like, I've never heard of this, you know, (laughs) you know? And so it it can be really intimidating. I always make the joke that uh, Mark, Mark Hubbard, who I know is one of the advisors for this Techstars cohort. He, he was asked, he, he put some time on my calendar and he was asking, he's working with a B Corp because has there any ever been a, a B Corp that's done a reggae? And I was like, you know, like, Oh, I love reggae. Um, I had no idea what he's talking about, you know, like, but that's the kind of thing where you're like, and it's right. Like, like, Cause you're thinking like, you're like Bob Marley. Yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> I love no. reggae, but, but that's the thing. Like until you have a friend, like a Mark, like, like a you where I can go, like, I'm sorry, I have no idea what you're talking about. You just kind of like nod and you're like, uh, I feel really dumb right now. I should know this. Shouldn't I? Mm-hmm. So no, I love that. You said that be the person that you wish was there for you when you were younger. That's yeah. That might be the deepest answer we've ever gotten on that one. Um, I mean, it's the truth. So it's it not is. just like I'm making it. It's just the truth. Like, I wish I was giving it to you as a soundbite. It's just like, I've had some really harrowing experiences. And I just wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy. And so that's like, let me be what I needed. So that 
no one else has to go through. Well, not, you know, as few people as possible have to go through the stuff that I did have to go through. In the, in the similar vein, what, what obstacles do diverse founders face today with equitable fundraising access? I mean, we've had Sterling Johnson on who shared some of those like, and Mecca more tart and, and like some of the just harrowing statistics that are equitable outcomes from the VC space. Mm-hmm. And there's people like you out in the world trying to change that. So what, what obstacles are there? I mean, I'm sure that it's not anything new that I can add to that conversation of like, we, it's the same numbers that come out every year um, that it's, what is it like? one to two percent of women one to two percent of black and brown like it's the same numbers over and over and it's not so there are a couple of different reasons why these things are like why these things exist um it's like what i was saying earlier the first thing that like so you have to understand like venture capital and how it was created as an asset class and how it was used to fund like early silicon valley success um Again, it's like if I got a bunch of my girlfriends who we all went to the same kind of like private Catholic high schools and we all, let's say we all went to like Howard University, illustrious HBCU, and then our networks would largely be other middle class, upper middle class, upper class black people. That's what our networks would look like because of where we went to school and the neighborhoods that we grew up in. And when we would say, okay, we have a fund and we're going to invest in some people, and the people are going to come to us through our network, our network would reflect the fact that it is limited. Um, and we would be like, oh, they need to have warm introductions. And then one day you would call me and be like, Anastasia, you haven't invested in any white guys. In this hypothetical, you haven't invested in any white guys. And I would be like, okay, that's a glaring like blind spot for us. But this is what's coming from our network. You know, and it's like, well, you don't have any white guys in your network. Then when I go out and I start looking for white guys in my network, I'm going to look for white guys who pattern match to the successes that I've had, which means they're likely going to have to be like me coming from a similar background, because my portfolio is all people who have come from my networks and come through similar backgrounds. And so my patterning is all around, well, this person was successful because they went to Howard and they did this and they did that and they came from this kind of family. And so for me to see success, it has to look like this, you know? And so that's what people don't realize. It's not like this big nefarious, we're trying to keep the people out. There may be some of that um, because some people are horrible people. I can't vouch for everybody, but like most of it is that. It's these affinity groups that have been created and these people have over time continued to invest in people who are similar to them because that's what their network looks like. And so you have a lot of people who are then saying, well, let's just ban warm introductions. Like one of my favorite like VC contrarians on um, Twitter is Dell Johnson. He used to be at Backstage Capital. He is a menace, but I tell people all the time, he's going to say something fuego, but he's telling the truth. And his thing is like, you need to start banning warm introductions. We need to start dismantling that it has to come through the network and it has to be someone referring you to someone. Because if we're only relying on these referrals, that's why it is what it is. Because who do you know that works at Sequoia? You know, who do you know that has a fund in New York who's like at Metaproper? If you don't know these people or know someone who knows these people, 
it's hard for you to break in. And I'm going to say from an investor standpoint, you're missing out on a lot of deals if you're only relying on people coming to you through your networks. Because the best founder may be somebody sitting in middle America who you would never have a chance to meet because they didn't go to the same universities as you went to. They're not in the same like clubs. They didn't work at Google with your friend who worked at Google, you know, but they're jamming on like a really like awesome solution that could be the next unicorn, but you don't know them. And you're going to invest in the guy that you know. And the thing is, is when you look at like portfolio returns over time, that strategy of continuing to invest in the people that you know is not the most solid strategy. Like there's tons of data out there that shows that like it's mid, like you end up being mid because you're talking to the same people that you've been talking to all your life, you know? So yeah, so that's like, that's what it is. Like, it's not like people, there are, like I said, there are some horrible people. I have met some horrible people. <laughs> the people who, who say like wild stuff, I would say the vast majority of them are just people who have blind spots because their networks are largely homogenous, which is just, that's people. You hang out with who you are in proximity to, you know? Yeah, I think there's, you know, you talk about getting rid of the warm introduction. I think there's also an element of of us all needing to in this space and whatever social impact, social entrepreneurship, VC space. I don't really claim to be in the VC space. I'm kind of I'm somewhere. There's a Venn diagram that crosses, but it's the intentionality of networking too, of networking in spaces that you don't normally network and meeting people that you don't and how many random phone call? I mean, even you were a random phone. Somebody was just like, I think it was Mark Hubbard was like, oh, you need to meet Anastasia. And you're like, cool. Um, you know, like those calls where you're like, I don't know, well, why, why do I need to meet with? It's like, no, I just, I, I was telling somebody that yesterday, how many random people I've met doing this work. But it's like, I'll yeah, I'll invest 30 minutes in meeting a stranger because you never know versus staying in your bubble. And again, it, it's never, you're, you're never going to break out yeah. of that. I don't know that we're going to get rid of warm introductions. No, I think that's just that goes against human nature, but because people were social animals. And so it goes against like that. It's going to be hard to just to get rid of. But I do think that, like, to your point, it's about being intentional and going outside of like the people who you immediately know and being open to talking to different people. Um, and being open to talking to people who may not have an immediate value add to you. Taking it from being transactional when you meet somebody, like, I think that's another thing, too. Um, so my boyfriend, he is in the tech space. He's a developer, but he also does a ton of music stuff. Um, and he just did a conference out in L.A. And he told me, he was like, you know, usually when I'm networking, I'm like, what do you do? Let's talk about this. And, da, da, da. and he was like, this time I started talking to people as a human, you know, and just started with like, Hey, yo, that shirt is like dope. Let's talk about that. Or hey, like, you know, like really like relating to them as people first. He was like, and that was so much easier. I was like, yeah. I said, honestly, if I'm out and about and you talk to me as a person first, not as a what can I do for you, I will probably remember you, first of all, because it's very hard for me to put names and faces. I make up names. Like for the longest, I've made up a, a last name for you, just so you know because there's another Nathan who's in the Techstar space. And I was like, this person has the same name. And my boss like, that's not this, you're making this up. And I'm, 
I was. What was my um, made, like, what was my made up last name? I'm curious. Uh, I can't Schmidt because like there's Nate who is running the program. So at TechStars, there's Nate who runs a program in Alabama. Yeah, and I kept saying that. I was like, no, no, no. It's spelled. Yeah. I was like, no, no, no. It's spelled there. He was like, no. So then I was like, let me just open my emails. I was like, no, I'm not. The I've I met like, Nate Schmidt both- though. So I'm, I'm okay yeah. with that. Nice. <laughs> Nate's a cool guy. He's a good person. So you, it's not like I'm telling you some weirdo or something, you know? But yeah, like, so I have a tendency to misplace names with people. I will always remember a face, but I will never, like, names are really hard for me. But if you and I talk and we connect on something outside of just work, I will never forget that I met you. And it does, you don't have to do anything for me because there probably isn't anything I need at the time, you know, other than like, let's have like a, a good conversation, you know? Yeah. So I think it's like, stop trying to network with people and treating people as a transaction immediately. Like it's not an immediate transaction. Sometimes it's just, yo, I see you out here. You got on your anime t-shirt today. Let's talk about that. Got on your Georgia Bulldogs hat. I'm not going to talk about Georgia because I went to LSU. So I got nothing to say about that. <laughs> you know, like, You're like, why didn't we record so, this in 2019? I mean, I, I don't care. <laughs> I'm with you on the name thing too. I'm not going to lie. I will text myself. I will email myself. Um, Especially when you meet somebody's partner, you're like, oh, man. And then the next time you're like, I'll go into my email. I have emailed myself with their first name. And then it just says, partner, what we talked about. And so I can look at that as I'm walking into the next time we go for drinks or dinner or whatever. But otherwise, I'm just like, hey, you. But I remember everything we talked about. It just, I wish I wish I was better. It's hard. It's hard. Oh, it is. Especially in our line of work, too. I mean, talking about how many people. I remember the first time we met, you told me like, describing your job of like you I meet as many people as possible yeah no I probably yeah I probably meet like 50 founders on average a week so like if you look at you know gmail in your calendar google will like tell you how many hours of meetings you have relative to work hours mine are always like up to 20 16 to 20 meetings and those are mostly net new they're not internal meetings i probably have three internal meetings a week everything else is like net new founders investors things like that so it's like matt it's crazy i can't like it's hard for me to remember i will be talking to somebody and they're like no you and i talked last week i'm like yeah you're probably right i'm sorry i just i remember your face or your name usually just your face but i don't remember like does my is your brain's not wired to do that that's why i say like talk to me about like regular life when you meet me on the street don't talk to me about like let me pitch you my startup so i'm not my brain is no immediately no yeah <laughs> no well the cool part too is what you just said of what you're doing is like you're living the advice you gave though which is that kind of breaking down the warm handshake or eliminating the warm or warm introduction yeah. excuse me and and kind of getting rid of the or being intentional and just meeting as many people as you can. Um, mm-hmm. So like, let's talk about like, what, how has that impacted your work and, and some of this work to bring more um, diversity in to create more equitable outcomes to kind of break these like homogenous structures down to kind of spur innovation, both at Techstars and just in all the ecosystems you play in. So I think the first thing is that Like, I am lucky in that I myself am checking the boxes of diversity. 
Um, you know, like when we talk about the diversity boxes. So because what happens is, um, and I told somebody, I was like, if I look at like the number of new net new founders that I meet in a week, they're largely women of color. And they reach out to me because I also am a woman of color. And they assume that, rightfully so, that there are some shared experiences and it'll be easier for them to have a conversation with me. I think, because it does go to, again, we are all searching for like the easiest path possible to whatever from A to B. And it is easier if you can see someone and they look familiar or they speak the same language, you know, they have a shared lived experience. And so I get a lot of like women of color just naturally gravitating toward me um, because of that. And so I don't think that it's like that, like I'm working intentionally to bring in diversity, you know? Um, I think for me, like white men don't come as readily, but they still do come as well because they're like, oh, it's tech stars. Oh, you've worked in venture. Oh, like you've done this, this, and this. So they do still come, but it's just, it's largely, and I am very much like a girl's girl. Like I'm very much like a women helping women. I'm girl bossing too close to the sun at every given moment. Um, so like, so I think that's what it is. Just so most of it is just by virtue of who I am, that that's why I can do the things that I do. Um, so I, it's not like I'm going out of my way to say, bring me all of your diverse, like founders. It just happens that way, you know, and I still give them the same level of rigor as I would give anybody else. I still tell them the, I don't know about this idea as I would do anybody else. Because at the end of the day, it's like, are you build are you building a venture backable company? And if you're not, it's okay. Lululemon, multi-billion dollar company, should never have taken venture capital, have not, because it it has to do with like pathways and scalability and all these different things. It doesn't mean you're not successful. It just means that this is not the right vehicle for you, you know. Um, this is not the right car for you to get in to get to your your success. And that's okay. That's not, there's nothing bad or wrong about that. And I think that's the other thing too, particularly with diverse founders. I don't think someone's being real with them and saying like, girl, this lash business, okay, love it. Amazing. You don't need venture capital. And that does not mean you're going to be a failure. It means let's talk about alternative ways to bring in money for you to be successful. Let's talk about that. And I try to shift them into like the correct pathways because this asset class is very narrow for very specific types of businesses. Um, And it just, it just is what it is. Not everything is for everybody, you know? Well, I think that's important too, because, you know, like I, I find that a lot when, when people talk entrepreneurship and nobody on the listening can see my air quotes, um, we, for some reason, and I run into it at UGA and it's, everything is, it's like the next Twitter, it's the next Facebook. And I'm like, you know, there's different types. So you think though, as an entrepreneur, you have to go out and raise venture capital. And then you see like, oh my God, they raised 70 million in a round, in a round, a series A. And you're like, oh, good for you. Like, and it's just like, um, that's okay. You don't have like, that doesn't make you a failure. It, it might mean that your business, I mean, consulting businesses normally are bootstrap. Maybe there's a little bit of investment, but that you can still build a really nice business that you can exit from in a great place financially, potentially retire. It doesn't mean that you have to build, you know, every case study doesn't have to be Twitter. But also like 
when you see that founder just raise like 700 mil, you don't know that they maybe only now own 30% of their company. You have no clue what's going on on the back end. Whereas if you go out and you say, hey, I'm going to start this lash business or I'm going to start like my own um, sustainable apparel brand, like you own 100% of that business. Maybe you have like a few strategic investors. Maybe you have like a few friends and family who kicked you some cash and they're helping you out, but you still maybe own the controlling share of that business. When that business is doing 25 million in ARR, when that business is doing, you know, 80% like profit margin, like, you know, that's you. That's all you. You own that. Whereas if you've gone through multiple rounds of funding, every time you cut a slice of the pie, you are cutting away from yourself. And so you're getting diluted. Like I had a founder tell me that she was like, yeah. When I go out for this next round, I think she was either series A or seed. She was like, I'll only own 30% of my company. And nobody tells you that because you don't, that's not in the headline. You know, it's not in the headline that the investor who came in decided that you're not going to be the right person to carry this business forward and fires you as CEO. That's not in the headline because that happens all the time, you know? Like none of that is there. So you're chasing after something and you don't really know what you're running after, you know? And I'm not saying one way is better or worse. What I'm saying is that it depends on what lifestyle you want. Like that's my whole thing. I keep telling this, like that has been like my high level theme of the week. What lifestyle are you after? You know, do you want to build like a sustainable business and spend time with your kids and get some like, meaningful generational wealth or do you want to like run a business where every 18 months you're fundraising like whatever it is that you want you have to start with like what do I want what impact do I want to create and then figure out like do I even need to be a unicorn to get to that do I need venture capital to get to that because if you don't don't take it I'm pro or con you doing what makes sense for you as a founder well, that was part one of our interview with Anastasia Simon. We hope you'll tune back in next week as we release part two of our sit down. We're grateful as always for the opportunity to serve you with this content and grow this incredible community of purpose-driven B Corp leaders. If you haven't already, we would be grateful for you to rate the show wherever you get your podcast by simply tapping the number of stars you think it deserves and sharing it with a friend. This helps us get the word out and continue to use our collective influence as a force for good. This podcast wouldn't be possible without the help from our production team at Chat with Leaders Media. Learn how you can launch your own podcast to grow your business at chatwithleaders.com. Thanks again for listening and now go be a leader worth following.